Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's wonderful to be here with you and to be celebrating uh, Christmas here at the Point. Welcome if you're a visitor today or you're friends or family who have um, in town uh, for this special occasion uh, and you're welcome to the Point Community Church. I've really enjoyed celebrating Christmas with you all with our, as a church family and I think I'm almost hoarse from singing. Uh, I've really enjoyed the music so thanks um, Musos for um, helping us celebrate well. Um, it's so exciting isn't it? Um, the big day has finally arrived and I've been up early this morning uh, unwrapping the biggest and best Christmas present ever. I've been peeling back uh, the wrapping that we looked at yesterday, Christmas Eve, if you're here with us, uh, and I've actually found a little bit of a problem. I found a little bit of a problem. Uh, now, I'm not talking about the fairy lights. Um, you know, there is really no way to store them well, uh, and we've dealt with that. Um, nor am I talking about finding that perfect Christmas gift for that person who just has everything. Because we know it's impossible, isn't it? It's so hard. Uh, but nor am I talking about Uncle Ernie. Um, as, as embarrassing as he can be on Christmas Day with all his Christmas antics, look, who can stop him? Let's leave him to his thing. I'm not talking about that. Nor am I talking about that food coma that kind of sets in after Christmas lunch uh, when we've all eaten too much. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm not talking about that. And nor am I talking about the state of the lounge room floor by 7am on Christmas morning. Let's face it. It's good that the recycling keeps going. Now, as I've been considering Christmas, especially from Matthew's Gospel the very first pages of the New Testament, as I've been thinking hard about this best and greatest gift of God to us at Christmas, what I've actually found is that the problem is that Mary, or rather Jesus, was born of Mary. That's, I think, the problem. Now, look, I know what you're thinking. I... I we don't normally think of that as the problem, that Jesus was born of Mary. Babies are normally born, aren't they, to their mothers? We expect that. But talk about a surprise. I mean, talk about a twist at the end of the story, because I never saw this coming. Because, you see, Jesus, if we've learned anything from going through Kings and the beginning of the genealogy of Matthew, if we've learned anything, we should be expecting, shouldn't we, that Jesus will be born the son of David. Isn't that right? Matthew has introduced us to Jesus in verse 1 as the son of David. And then Matthew has very carefully listed for us all of the sons of David all the way down to Joseph. And it's an amazing unbroken line of all the kings of Judah. Almost hypnotic, isn't it? Someone fathered someone, fathered someone, fathered someone. And so we expect to read, as we get to verse 16 of Matthew chapter 1, that Joseph 
We expect to read of Joseph, the father of Jesus. Isn't that what we expect? But instead, what we read is that Joseph was the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. In other words, Joseph, the one who carried the royal bloodline of David, was not Jesus' father. All this build-up, all this expectation, all these promises over all these years, and then we read that Jesus was born of Mary. As far as biology goes, as far as bloodline goes, Joseph, who was the son of David, was not the father of Jesus. But it gets worse. Because I've also found, as I've been reading through this account, that Joseph was only betrothed to Mary in verse 18. In other words, as we've heard, they weren't yet married. They were legally pledged to be married. That word betrothed is a bit of an old-fashioned word. And it carried a, a heavier, a more significant weight, I think, than, than what we all often read into it when we think of engagement and that kind of thing. In fact, as we look at verse 19, we can see that Joseph was already considered her husband. And betrothal in those days, as we also see in verse 19, could only be broken by death or divorce. That's how serious the commitment was. A strong, binding commitment. They were betrothed to one another, but they weren't married. Verse 18 tells us that they hadn't come together. Um, Joseph, in verse 20 and in verse 24, had not yet taken Mary as his wife. And if we're left in any doubt as to what those terms mean, verse 25 is quite clear. It says that he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. You see, Mary was not married. She was still living with mum and dad. So we've got to ask the question, where did this child come from? Now, Joseph was a just man, a righteous man, verse 19. He wanted to do what was right. He wanted to obey God's laws and to please God. But Mary, as we, we saw, verse 18, was found to be with child. And so what do you do? Your fiancé is pregnant. It's not your child. Legally, you are her husband. Morally, you want to do what's right, but lovingly, you don't want to bring public disgrace on her. But time is ticking, and soon she'll be showing. Soon she won't be able to hide it any longer. And, well, you know what nosy neighbours are like. They love talking about this kind of thing. And let's face it, for Mary, her whole life would be ruined, literally. Can you see the big Christmas problem as we've taken back the wrapping paper? It's far more serious than baubles and tinsel. Supposed to be son of David, only betrothed. What's to become of this son of David line? And where in the world 
did this baby come from? Well, apparently Joseph had made up his mind. He had resolved, verse 19, what to do. He had a plan. But do you know what? He never went through with it. He never carried it out. Because an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. An angel of the Lord intervened with a different plan. And that was, number one, marriage. Verse 20, Joseph, the angel said, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle baby. No ordinary child. God had brought this baby about. God had made this baby grow inside Mary's womb. Number two, not just marriage, but adoption. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name. You, Joseph, shall call his name. Now, culturally, that is very, very significant. Because if you name a child, you are adopting that child. That's what it means. You're saying, this child is going to be part of my family. This child will be my heir. And so in naming Mary's child, Joseph is legally adopting Jesus as his son. A son of David. Jesus becomes a son of David through adoption. Isn't that beautiful? That's part of the Christmas story. And verse 22 and verse 23 tell us that actually all of this took place. That is the betrothal, the baby, the timing, the dream. It's no coincidence. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. It was all according to plan. They thought it was all going pear-shaped and, and, and wrong. But no, actually, God had been steadily working out his great salvation plan. Prophets had predicted this long ago. They had foretold that this is how it would happen and this big Christmas problem is actually God's great solution. Call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There's a lovely quote about George VI, uh, who was the late Queen's father and king during World War II. Someone writing about him said this, I remember seeing pictures of George VI at his coronation, with his enormous jewel crown, his ermine robes, and all the pomp that marked the occasion. Very impressive. But I saw another picture of George VI, where I truly knew him as king. The photograph showed the east end of London after it had been bombed by the Nazis into a heap of rubble. George VI was there with Winston Churchill to inspect the damage. He wore no crown or ermine robe, just a suit and a hat. He looked totally unremarkable except for one thing. As he walked through the debris, he cried. As he saw the damage his people had suffered and the Union Jacks his people had draped over the wreckage of their homes, he wept. Churchill's memoirs record that as the people watched the king weeping in the midst of their ruin, they said again and again, 
He loves us. He loves us. That to me, uh, the writer said, is the noblest picture of the King of England I ever saw. And Christmas reminds us, doesn't it, that another king has stepped down, down, down into our ruin and the rubble of our lives. He's come. He's come and he's walked among us. God with us. God with us. And he's wept. He stood there at the side of a of of friends as he's watched a loved one die. He's looked out over the city of Jerusalem and wept over a city that would not have him. He's lived among us. It's more than that, isn't it? He's come to save us. To save us from our sins. You say, Phil, how in the world am I supposed to believe that Jesus has saved us from our sins. He hasn't saved us from our sins. Look at the world. It's a mess. Look at my life. It's a mess. It's a ruin. It's rubble. I'll tell you what he has. He has come to save us from the penalty of sin. He has come to save us from the power of sin in our lives. He will slowly undo it if you follow him. He will release you. He will break those chains. And people who have lived in addiction and, and, and all sorts of mess in their lives have come to Jesus and found freedom, found salvation. You say, but that's not it, Phil. No, it's not. It's not just the penalty of sin. It's not just the power of sin in your life. It is, and it will be one day, the very presence of sin. It will be gone, gone, gone. Yeah? Jesus will come back. He'll come back again. And he's going to make a whole new world. A world where there won't be any more sin. Don't stop at Christmas. It's just the entree. Stay for the whole Christmas lunch. Keep reading the pages of Matthew's gospel. Look at all the miracles that he does. It's just the entree. See all of the healings that he does, all the people that he helps, whose lives are transformed as they meet the person Jesus. But it's just the entree. Keep going through. Savor his death in your place and his resurrection, showing you that there is more to life than this. And look forward, won't you? to a whole new world. Follow Jesus out of this world and into a new creation. Put your trust in him today and begin to follow him into that whole new world. That's what Christmas is about. It's wonderful. And I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad that Jesus came, God with us, to save us from our sins. Let's pray. Father God, we want to stop this Christmas day, 2023, and say thank you. Thank you, God, so much that you have come to save us from our sins, that you're with us. Oh, Lord, we look forward to the day when you'll deliver us, not just from the penalty and the power, but also the presence of sin. Come, Lord Jesus, come.
and we pray in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon, or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.